You must know the times. Answers to 25 essential questions on end times prophecy. A powerful new book by Dennis James Woods. Wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, and floods that devastates entire communities. Global pandemics that kills hundreds of thousands of people. Social injustice, unrest, and lawlessness that threatens our societies. Where is this world heading? And what does the Bible say about the end times? You Must Know the Times is an eye-opening book specifically designed to educate readers about the last days. You will learn what the Bible says about conflicts in the Middle East, the Tribulation Period, the Nation of Israel, the Mark of the Beast, the Antichrist, Armageddon, the Rapture of the Church, and many more essential topics. Get your copy today of You Must Know the Times by Dennis James Woods at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Praise the Lord, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods, uh, and I just wanted to introduce part two of my series that I taught at Victory Apostolic Church in Matteson, Illinois. Uh, this uh, segment, we're going to be dealing with uh, the templates, uh, the days of Noah and the days of Lot that Jesus spoke about in Luke. And um, also we're going to go deeply into the days of Noah and explore an aspect of interpretation of Genesis chapter six that may be taboo for some people, uh, for some scholars, um, but there is a sound reason why we have to refer uh, to the days of Noah. First, we have to go back to what the Apostle Jude wrote about the days of Noah. And the, it's the Apostle Jude that introduces us to the book of Enoch and Jude. What a lot of Christians may not know is that two apostles actually refer to, two that at least that I know of, uh, that refer to the book of ancient book of Enoch, and that's Second Peter and also uh, the, the apostle Jude. Now, Jude's reference to uh, the book of Enoch, there's a, actually a couple of places where he does it, but specifically uh, concerning this lesson, he actually talks about the days of Noah, and he talks about the angels that kept, that left their, uh, that did not keep their estate and left their habitation. Uh, that is a reference to Enoch's recording. And Enoch actually says that the sons of God back in Genesis chapter number six were actually angels. Now, after, uh, and this was, this was common in the first century. First century uh, 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 apostles had access to these uh, books, such as the book of Enoch. Also, there's another uh, apocryphal book called The Assumption of Moses. Enoch actually quotes from that when he talks about the, um, the battle between Satan and Michael, the archangel, over the body of Moses. That does not come from the Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen. That comes from an uh, uh, apocryphal book called The Assumption of Moses. The books like The Assumption of Moses and the Book of Enoch and several others were considered historically significant by first century apostles. And so this is why some of that writings end up in their epistles. And because Jude refers to the Book of Enoch, we actually are going to quote from it 
in our examination of the days of Noah. This is going to be a very, very interesting study. Stay tuned for part two of my series that I taught at Victory Apostolic Church in Madison, Illinois, in the greater Chicago area. Enjoy and God bless you. I turn the presentation over to Dr. Dennis Woods. Again, we thank God for Jesus and for his power that is in his resurrection. Amen. For the blood sacrifice. How many are so glad that you're saved on tonight? Oh, glory to God. I just thank God for Jesus. Why study end time prophecy? It's a good question. Studying the end time prophecy is very important. And we're going to begin our study with just an observation that God makes about himself. Amen. In Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 from the NIV, this is what the Lord says. He says, remember the former things. Those of long ago, I am God. There is none, no other. I am God. There is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. For this reason... Why knowing the times and the end times is so important is because God wanted his children to know what was coming ahead of time. Glory to God. In this way, we have an advantage over the world. The world is going to be in chaos and not have any ability to understand the signs of the time. They're not going to have any answers. However, by Christians... Knowing what the scriptures declare about the end time events, this becomes a tool. They're not going to have it. The world's not going to have any answers. However, by Christians knowing what the scriptures declare about end time events, this then becomes a tool. And an avenue for witnessing to guard against deception. So when God has taken time to share some of his omniscience and give it to mere human beings and tell us thousands of years, hundreds of years, thousands of years in advance what is going to happen, then we need to pay attention to what God is saying. Therefore, prophecy is like God's fingerprint that uniquely identifies him as God. 
There is no power in all creation that can reveal the future, reveal the future events thousands of years in advance. God not only declares the future, but has the power to bring it to pass. God is not a mere observer of the future, like a weatherman who looks at the clouds, but he is the effective cause of future events. And so this is why the study of end-time prophecy is so important. The significance of prophecy is not some trivial issue, but God's divine revelation of a prophetic mandate where the almighty God has chosen to reveal his plans to mere human beings. Therefore, if God has said it, we better pay attention to it. Amen. Whatever he say, we need to listen. But listen, listen to what the indictment that Jesus had of the disciples in his day and the Pharisees particularly. He replied, he says, when evening comes, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it'll be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. He says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. And so that's the same indictment that he has today. Is this, uh, the, uh, back then in his day is the same one that applies to us today. We are so caught up in every little thing. We can tell you about every little detail about the bears and the this and that and the what movies and all of that. And we're all caught up. But when it comes to the signs of the times and knowing what God says about where this world is heading, I don't care who's in office, who's not in office, I don't care what party is in power, it doesn't make a difference. God has a path, the earth is on it, and Jesus is coming back. It don't make a difference what no man say. So now Jesus gives us what I like to call is templates gives us some templates of what the world will be like. So let's take a look at it. In Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, the word of the Lord reads from the NIV, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Listen to this. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, the interesting thing is that God didn't destroy these people because they were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage. That's normal stuff. But the problem is, is that through the cares of this world, you get distracted with life. And so things coming, going to work and coming and going and kids going to school and getting up and people getting married and people getting sick and all that. These are all the things that we have to care about, right? But while all of this is happening, there's other things happening according to God's prophetic plan. So one of the templates is the days of Noah. The second template is this. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planning, building. But the day Lot left Sodom, 
fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. And so we get two templates, the days of Noah and the days of Lot. It's interesting because now we have to get the backstory. Amen. And it requires that I do something that I like to do. We got to break it down. This is what the word of the Lord says in Genesis. So what were the days of Noah like? We're going to see it. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of his thoughts, of their thoughts, of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. I want you to get this, ladies and gentlemen. We got a long-suffering, loving God. But the Bible says God regretted that he made humans. What in the world happened? I mean, that's like drastic, right? Glory to God. Of course, these are anthropomorphic terms. Anthropomorphic means ascribing to God human characteristics. So we can understand the narrative there and the, and the prose of the writing. But the bottom line is this is conveying something. God got sick of human beings. He got sick and he got sick and tired of what they were doing. Something happened on the planet that made him real upset. Genesis 11 through 13, it says, now the earth was corrupt in the sight. In God's sight. And was full of violence. Mark that. Full of violence. Sound familiar? And God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence. Because of them, I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So what was it? I mean, God having a bad day. Uh, he was younger then. It was just kind of like going off. You know. But what got under him like that? What, what happened? So we're going to take a look at it. NIV. Okay, Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Now we're getting into it. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born unto them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful. And they married any of them that they chose. Glory to God. Hmm, interesting. The, the Nephilim were in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God went into the daughters of humans, they had children by them. They were heroes of old, men of renown. Now, the interesting term here is Nephilim, and Nephilim comes from a root Hebrew word, Nephil, which means a bully or a tyrant, but it can also be translated giant. And so in the King James Version, you see giant. In other versions, you see giants. In the NIV, they just put the Hebrew word Nephilim. Oh, glory to God. So what was going on? What was really going on? What we have to do a lot of times is refer to other sources. Now, here I'm going to quote from 
the Bible Knowledge Commentary. This is the staff at Dallas Theological Seminary. Anybody of the seminarians know that Dallas is one of the top evangelical seminaries in the country. And so this is Dr. Walvoord and the crew and all of them, even though Dr. Walvoord is going on to be with the Lord. This is what they say. Many have suggested that the sons of God were the godly line of Seth. Seth was one of Adam's sons, right? Okay. And the daughters of men were the Cain, Cainites, not Canaanites, but Cainites, the descendants of Cain. Okay, so that's what some people say that this is in reference to. Well, not everybody is on that side. So let's look at, let's look at some, some ideas here. So what we're going to do, let's pull in with one of the apostles say, would some of you out there think that one of the apostles, maybe their opinion would have some credibility here? Uh, Maybe we can go to an apostle. How about that? Okay, let's look at what Jude says. Now, the angels who, this is from Jude, uh, uh, the the sixth verse, Jude only has one chapter. So uh, the sixth verse of Jews, listen to what Jews says. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in chains of darkness bound with everlasting chains with judgment on the great day. Now this is interesting. Wait a minute. What is Jew talking about here? Interesting, interesting, interesting. So let's look at another commentary. Let's, let's look at this. This is the believer's commentary. It says, we believe that Jude is referring to what is recorded in Genesis 6, 1 through 7. Well, wait a minute. We just read that. The sons of God left their proper estate as angelic beings and came down to the earth in human form, married daughters of men. This marital union was contrary to God's order and an abomination to him. Now, that's the believer's commentary. If I didn't quote other sources, y'all would be saying, Dr. Woods, you're going off the deep end and you're just coming up with stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm quoting other sources here because I want you to get an understanding of what happened on the planet. Did God just kind of like just go off and he just got besides himself? Or did something so serious happen that had back then that has implication for the end times to come? Because it's a template. The days of Noah. Amen. Let's get Jews' perspective. How many know that Jude, part of his epistle, quotes from other than Bible uh, sources? Jude quotes from two. One is called a pseudopigrapha book, which simply means a book that is falsely attributed to. In other words, the book of Enoch. We're going to be talking about the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch, well, don't nobody know if Enoch really wrote it, but it's got his name on it, right? And so Jude also quotes from another book called The Assumption of Moses, and he talks about Michael the archangel fighting with the devil over the body of Moses. Well, that didn't come from Genesis. That came from an apocalyptic, apocryphal book called The Assumption of Moses. So Jude, in the first century, these apostles had other things available to them that we don't feel that we don't feel today is inspired, so they didn't make it in the canon of scriptures. But they had historical significance 
such as the Apocrypha. If you look at the Catholic Bible, that Bible has more books than ours because during the intertestamental period between Malachi and the New Testament, there were other writers that wrote up. And I, when our Bible was canonized in Tunisia in 1397 and at the Council of Carthage, uh, that's a, you know your Bible has, it has African roots, right? Did anybody tell you that? Tunisia is in North Africa, right? Okay, but anyway, uh, and that's where they did that. Uh, so the bottom line is, is that there were a lot of things that was available to first century Christians that we don't recognize today as being inspired, but they have historical significance. So Jude actually quotes from the book of Enoch. Where does he do it? Verse 14 and 15. Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. That's not from the Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen. That's from the book of Enoch. He's actually quoting Enoch here. Okay, now, let's look at another quote that he does. Let's look at, as a matter of fact, let's look at what a very noted scholar by the name of James Montgomery Boyce. Have anybody ever heard of him? James Montgomery Boyce? You're you're pastor knows. Yeah, I got got a few scholars in the room that, that know who... Montgomery Boyce, would he be considered a credible source? Very credible, right? Listen to what Dr. Boyce says about the Genesis 6 narrative. First Enoch is not a biblical book, of course. Its interpretation of Genesis 6 is not inspired. It could be wrong in many places, and undoubtedly it is. Nevertheless, it is significant for our interpretation of the text because it was apparently known by Peter and Jude who in their oblique references to the same subject seemed to uh, put their stamp of approval on it. This is what Dr. John MacArthur says, same thing. John MacArthur saying, a most plausible viewpoint is that Jew, Jude is uh, referred to an extraordinary heinous infraction by some fallen angels that sin recorded in the Old Testament in Genesis Chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, was so severe that God placed the offending demons in chains to prevent them from ever committing such perversity again. So now, these, there was a group, so according to this line of reasoning, there was a group of angels that took advantage basically of human beings and polluted the human race. And the whole design was, it was a satanic plot to ruin the human race so a redeemer couldn't come. So if you mix fallen angels with human DNA and you populate the world with that, you couldn't have a redeemer whose blood could be used on Calvary. It's an insidious plot. It's deep. I know, but, you know, we got to study this out. Praise God. So now, let's actually look at Enoch. Don't ask me where I got it from. Actually, the book of Enoch is part of my Logos, my Lagos uh, Bible library. Those of you that have Lagos, you have access to a whole library of things. This is where I got it from. But anyway, let's look at what Enoch says. It's almost identical to Genesis 6. This is what it says. And it came to pass that when children of men had multiplied in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters, that the angels, see, Enoch directly says it. The angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose wives 
from among the children of men and begat us children. So now Enoch is just telling us these were angels. And this is the information that Jude was quoting from when he wrote his epistle about the angels that kept not their first estate. And God got mad with them and put them on a life sentence. Those angels, those demons will never be released again. You think Satan is bad. These may have even been worse because God will not let those those angels out again. So those are locked up forever. Glory to God. And they're put in a place called Tartarus. That is the Greek word for it. Now listen to this. Uh, Enoch 7, uh, verses 2 through 6, it said, They became pregnant, they bare giants, and the giants turned against and devoured mankind. They began to, listen to this, they began to sin against the birds, the beasts, the reptiles, and the fish. So now we can kind of understand what God's attempt was was to wipe out all of them, but not only the humans, but this is why the animals were involved, because these angels violated them as well. And so that, that, so God had to do the whole program and wipe everything out and start over again. And so now, so how is this a template for the future? And that's the interesting thing. Because believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, according to the book of Revelation, something similar is going to occur again. Glory to God. Let's look at what Peter says about it. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but put them into hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on the ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. So now we have Peter also chimes in on this whole narrative. Glory to God. So the translation for us today is what? As in the days of Noah... The world during the latter times will be characterized by violence, corruption, and lawlessness inspired by direct supernatural influences as they were in the days of Noah. So you wonder why you're seeing all these demonic movies and demonic pictures and all this off-the-chain violence and all of this. It is being inspired by supernatural forces that are involved in human affairs. Now, so far as this marrying humans and having children, that's not happening again because them angels got locked up. They're not getting out. They got a life sentence. That's not going to happen again. Glory to God. God said, no, we're not going there no more. All right, look at what Ephesians says. This isn't strange. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, this is what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the, uh, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Paul is saying, listen, your fight really is not with brother this or sister that or the, the, the guy of your neighbor across the street. What's really happening is there are supernatural forces involved in inspiring people. And this is the world we live in. We inherited a world with a devil. We inherited a world with demons. And it's part of this reality we have to live in now. Glory to God. 
This is characteristic of the last days. This is what Paul said in Timothy. The Spirit speaks expressively that in the latter times, listen to the language, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Do you know that demons can teach people? That's what they do. They inspire evil. They inspire wickedness. Glory to God. Unfortunately, some of them demons end up in some of these seminaries. Now, that's another. You, got, you have scholars that don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Listen to what Romans says. Listen, listen to the litany of sins he mentions here. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent evil. They invent ways of doing evil. Listen, people come up with evil. Listen, crack cocaine was an invention by somebody wicked. And they made a form of cocaine that was ten times addictive than powder cocaine. And it devastated America. Devastated communities. They're coming up with this stuff like Oxycontin and all of this other stuff. Uh, these drugs, uh, one that's a thousand times more powerful than heroin. And it's, that people are creating all this wickedness. And so what's happening is we're finding we're living in a society that is spiraling down because of influence by demonic spirits. So what happened in Noah's day, something simple or similar will happen again. Look at what the Bible says, the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, 7 and 8. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled down to the earth and his angels with him. There will be another time, ladies and gentlemen, where Satan is thrown out of the heavenly realms because right now he has access. He still has access. He will be thrown out of there and then him and his angels will be confined once again and come back down to the earth just like they did in the days of Noah. And so this is why it is a template for what's going to happen in the future. You know, Jesus talked about it. He talked about this. He said, now, at one point I wanted to make, when in Noah's day, these angels left their own habitation under their own volition, under their own will. In Revelation, they lost their habitation because they were expelled. And then the rest of that text goes say, woe to the world because the devil comes down with great wrath because he knows he had but a short time. Oh, glory to God. So we know what the days of Noah were like. But the question is, 
were the days of Lot like? It was the same. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But the day that Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Template number two. Number one, days of Noah, violence, corruption, all of that demonic influence. The second template, Jude again gives us the backstory. Listen to this. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. And they serve as an example i.e. a template of those who suffer punishment of eternal fire. I want you to listen to this. Never in the history of humankind has the push for the acceptance of alternative lifestyles been so pervasive in every sphere of life Politics, education, the legal system, the workplace, books, education, literature, TV, movies, religion, foster care, the church. Not just in America, all over the world. This isn't a localized thing. This is an international thing. And so because it's so pervasive now... It becomes a fulfillment of what God said. This is what your world is going to be like before I come back. You are going to see the days of Noah and you are also going to see the days of Lot. The question is, do you see these things? How can we miss this? Isaiah gives us a very important insight. In my closing minutes. The look on their faces testifies against them. Let me tell you something. People who are caught up in a sin have a look to them. Yes, they do. Crackheads have a look. Alcoholics have a look. Folks that's given over to different things have a look. Glory to God. Listen to what it says. The look on their face testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. They have brought disaster on themselves. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. I, I just think it's just, just so interesting how the NIV uses the word parade. Do we see that today? Listen to this. Listen to this. The sexual perversions of the Sodomites became the sense of their pride. And this is what Isaiah is saying. See, Isaiah is really peaceful drawing from the essence of how that society was. The look on their face testifies against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. So what happens is the sexual perversions of the Sodomites became a sense of their pride, which apparently they flaunted openly. 
Instead of hiding it without shame or restraint, they paraded it. It's the flaunting and the openness that's been behind, the, the impetus behind every sector of our society being impacted by the push to normalize promiscuity and same-sex lifestyles. The question is, is do we see this today? I mean, even down to the parades. Now, let me just say this. It's particularly for our online audience. No one is advocating that folks don't have rights. No one's doing that. People got rights. You You can't discriminate against people. In the schools today, if a boy leaves home Fred and comes to school, goes in a bathroom, puts on a dress and a wig, and calls himself Frederica, every teacher in there better call him Frederica or they in trouble. That's just the law now. So we're not talking about discriminating against somebody and the people not having rights. What we're talking about is what the Bible said the world would be like. That's what we're talking about. Glory to God. I like how the complete Jewish Bible says this. The look, their, their very look witnesses against them. They parade their sin like Sodom. They don't even try to hide it. All the worse for them. They bring evil on themselves. So, again, we're not trying to advocate for people to, to not have their rights and go out and start persecuting for them. I'm not talking about y'all doing that. Don't do that. You'll go to jail. Okay? But the bottom line is, the question before us is this. Do we see this or not? Is this the world we're living in or not? Now, is it just so happens that God know what he's talking about. It just so happened God get this right. I think he got it right. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. They parade their sin like Sodom. And they don't try to hide it. Look at the blaspheming there. I mean, want to leave it up long. This is the last verse. Well, right on time. Glory to God. One of the admonitions the writer of Hebrews gave to the church, this is what he said. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what day is he talking about? The day that the Lord returns. So, in other words, he's saying, as you see the day approaching, you should be finding yourself in church all the more. You should be finding yourself in the house of God. If God is right about all of this, I think he's right about all of it. Glory to God. Glory, glory to God. Isn't God good? Glory to God. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand praise.
The day speaks of the second coming of the Lord. So today's topic, why study end time prophecy? People might think, well, the world is just it is the way it is. No, it's not just that. God said, listen, before I return, I'm going to tell you what it's going to be like. Because I want you to know. Why do I want you to know? So you will be a witness, ladies and gentlemen. So you'll know how to witness to people. You'll know how to minister to people. You'll see, when the world is freaking out and not knowing what to do, God already has you set aside as repositories of his truth that you can be a reservoir of blessing in this dark and evil age. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Isn't God good? Praise God. Wasn't that a powerful segment? Boy, we had a really good time there at Victory Apostolic. Again, we want to thank uh, Pastor Andrew Singleton and the Victory Apostolic uh, Congregation. Uh, but I want to tell you and uh, appeal to you, basically, ladies and gentlemen, I know that popular tradition on rapture theories have it to where the church is not going to be here doing the book of Revelation. That is not the position I hold. I hold that God gave us the book of Revelation so that the generation of church saints, which we don't know which generation that'll be, but the generation of church saints that is going to be here would have the information because it's going to be a time like no other time that's ever been in the history of humanity. It's going to be the worst time. It's going to be bloodletting much worse than what the Jews suffered during the Holocaust. Um, there's going to be great, great tribulation. Now, the part where God pours his wrath out on the world, starting at Revelation chapter 15, we're not going to be here for that. Glory to God. But ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to be prepared. Once again, if pre-trib is right and we're gone, then fine. I, I see, I don't have a problem with being wrong there. But the overwhelming evidence when you really look at what the scriptures actually teach and get away from all the pre-trib talking points and actually look at what they can prove with the Bible, not with dogma, not with the talking points that they usually say and go by the scriptures, then we're, we need to really know what's going on. If you would like my wife and I to come out to your church, those of you that are pastors and or can uh, host us, we would love to come and fellowship with you. If you would want copies of the book or, or, or you want, to make comments or you want to uh, talk to us or even if you want to give to our ministry. All you have to do is send an email to PhD Ministries 400 at att.net. That's PhD as in power, Holy Ghost, 
deliverance. Excuse me. Let me say that again. Because <laughs> that's the full name of my ministry. PhD, as in I like a PhD in school. Uh PhD ministries, the word ministries, 400 at att.net. Or you could call us at 877-267-7477. We would love to fellowship with you. We'll do Zoom classes. I want everybody to get this message. Also, I encourage you to get my book, Revelation, Revolution, The Antichrist, Angels, and the Abyss. I give a history of how pre-trib came to the United States. I show meticulously how their argument about the restrainer was completely bogus. I have in that book the letters that I sent to the top pre-trib scholars at the time, Dr. John Walvoord and Dwight Pentecost, and how I challenged them and they did not have good answers. Glory to God. You'll be surprised with those what they actually said. I have it in my book. The paper that I actually sent to Dr. Pentecost, I actually have his handwritten comments and the things he said to me. And you would be surprised. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to join the Revelation Revolution. God gave us that book for a reason. Not so scholars could tell us we don't have to read it because it doesn't apply to us. That is not why Revelation is in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And this ridiculous argument that the word church isn't found at the Revelation chapter 3 is just so silly because the word church isn't found in seven New Testament epistles either. They never tell you that part. So all you have to do is just go to the beginning of our podcast, go all the way to the first one and work your way up through it. It's probably 50 or 60 segments in there. Many of them are lengthy. You could come back. You could. There's a plethora of information here. Now, it's okay if we disagree. It's okay. It's uh, That's okay. You, you, you don't have to disagree with everything. But at least let's look at the other side of this. Again, if pre-trib is right and we're gone before all this happens, fine. But if it's wrong and I can prove a major tenet of it is wrong, I, I can I, we prove that I don't just say that in, in theory, I actually can prove it. Uh, but and that's why we're doing what we're doing. But I'm appealing to you. If you want to support our ministry, again, send us an email. I'll, I'll tell you what to send, where to send it. Glory to God. As a matter of fact, you can make any donations you might want to make. You make it to Power of the Holy Ghost Deliverance Ministries. Power of the Holy Ghost Deliverance Ministries. And you can send those donations in any amount. Glory to God. We are 501c3 uh, uh, religious organization. Uh, and, all, and all of that. So, and you can send it to post office box 1239. That's Mattison, Illinois. That's M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N, Illinois. And the zip code is 60443. Again, the address is Power of the Holy Ghost Deliverance Ministries or PhD Ministries. And the post office box is 1239. That's Mattison, M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N, Illinois, and the zip is 60443. Again, 
Our uh, toll-free number is 877-267-7477. Ladies and gentlemen, we would love to hear from you and all of that. God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. We'll give you some more content coming up here real soon in upcoming episodes of the Revelation Revolution.